Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. It's a fact which really cannot be overemphasized that Jesus was a Jew. It's a serious mistake of Bible study to overlook that very simple fact. Jesus, you see, was schooled and reared on the Hebrew Bible what we rather unfortunately call the Old Testament. It was from the Hebrew Bible that Jesus got his theology and his teaching. It's essential also to think of Jesus as a saving teacher. There are many today who seem to think that the gospel consists only of the fact that Jesus died and rose again. But that's not true to our scriptural records. Jesus came preaching and teaching salvation. Later, of course, he died in order to cover our sins to bring us back to God. And later, of course, he was resurrected and taken to the right hand of the Father. But the essential basis, the substratum of all that Jesus did preceded his death and resurrection. And it was his teaching and his gospel message, his saving teaching words, which lie at the whole foundation of Jesus' scheme of salvation. If you examine a typical tract offering salvation to the public, you may be surprised to find that nothing at all is said of the teaching of Jesus, or very little. All that's said, in general, is that he died and rose again. I've even heard it said that the gospel consists of Jesus doing three days' work. He died and was buried and rose from the dead. But that would seem to eliminate the entirety of the preaching ministry of Jesus. He labored for more than three years before he died and rose again. Can we simply subtract that great element of the teaching of Jesus from the gospel and still call it the gospel? Why don't we go back to Jesus' own definition of the gospel? In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus made this remarkable statement. He said, I came to preach the gospel about the kingdom of God. That's the reason for which I was sent. And in the same book of Luke, in chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus remarked that the Son of Man, that's himself, has come to seek and to save what was lost. He didn't say, I just came to die to save what was lost. He'd come to seek and to find what was lost, and he was doing that seeking and finding by preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God. In John chapter 12 and verse 44 onwards, Jesus cried out. He obviously intended to give an enormous emphasis to these words, he cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He was referring to the one God of Israel there, his father. And he who beholds me beholds the one who sent me. You see, Jesus perfectly reflected the will of his father. And he carried out the commission which the father had given him, namely to preach the kingdom of God as the gospel, Luke 4, verse 43. And then continuing in John 12, verse 46, Jesus said this, I have come as light into the world, that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. You see, Jesus there again relates his sayings to salvation. It's essential to believe in Jesus by believing in his teachings and his sayings. 
it's insufficient simply to say, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. That's only part of the gospel. The essential, fundamental element in the gospel is the teachings of Jesus himself. Jesus' gospel, the gospel as it came from the lips of Jesus himself before he died and rose again. In John 12, verse 48, Jesus went on, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings. You see the equation that Jesus makes here? Rejecting Jesus is equivalent to rejecting his sayings. The opposite then must be true. Accepting Jesus means accepting his sayings, his teachings. Now Jesus said this, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. There it is with absolute clarity. The message, the gospel message which Jesus spoke, that will judge each one of us at the last day. It's essential, therefore, to believe in the teachings of Jesus. To believe in Jesus means more than just saying, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Believing in Jesus means believing what Jesus believed, believing his teachings. And those teachings are summed up here and in many other passages in the New Testament as the word, that famous Greek word logos, L-O-G-O-S, the word. This is a summary statement of the essential message of the gospel brought by Jesus himself. Now, if we ask the further question, what exactly is that gospel that Jesus preached and which he makes the basis of salvation? Well, it's defined, as we've mentioned many times in this series of programs on the kingdom of God, in Luke 4, verse 43. Jesus clearly defined there the purpose of his whole mission, and it was indeed to proclaim or herald the gospel concerning the kingdom of God. That's the reason why he was sent. Luke 4 and verse 43. Now, the remarkably interesting thing is that Paul carried on exactly the same gospel of the kingdom preaching as Jesus had before him. Now, that's hardly surprising since Paul felt himself naturally enough to be under the Great Commission at the end of Matthew chapter 28. There Jesus said to the disciples, you are to relay, to transmit to further generations everything that I taught you. The apostolic mission, therefore, is a continuation of the mission of the historical Jesus. The apostles preached exactly the same message as Jesus. If they had not done this, they would have been in flat contradiction of the Great Commission. Now, we can show how perfectly the apostles carried out the will of their master by comparing what Jesus did on a typical evangelistic day with what Paul did when he preached the gospel. In Luke chapter 9, verse 11, we read this, But the multitudes were aware of this and followed Jesus, and welcoming them, he began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and healing those who had need of healing. There it is, Jesus welcomed the crowds and immediately embarked upon a discourse concerning the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom of God, therefore, that was driving his whole mission and ministry as he sought to save people and prepare them for the inheritance of the kingdom of God lying in the future. Now, Paul in Acts 28, verse 30 and 31, did exactly the same thing as Jesus when he preached. And I note that he's preaching here finally to Gentiles. In Acts 28, verses 30 and 31, we read this, Paul stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, 
and was welcoming all who came to him, heralding or preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Messiah with all openness unhindered. You see, that's Luke's summary statement of the missionary activity of Paul from beginning to end. In fact, we have a corroboration of the fact that Paul always preached the kingdom from Paul's own words in Acts chapter 20. In a farewell discourse there to the Ephesian elders, and remember that farewell discourses are always of particular significance because they represent, so to speak, the last will and testament of the speaker. So there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, Paul said that he had been going around preaching the gospel of the grace of God. Now, what did that mean? Well, the very next verse defines that gospel of the grace of God. And we read this in Acts 20, verse 25. As I went among you heralding the kingdom. That's Paul's definition of gospel preaching. It is to herald the kingdom of God. And remarkably, that heralding of the kingdom is exactly and precisely what Jesus had done from the start of his own ministry. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we find that Jesus came into Galilee heralding the kingdom of God, or God's gospel, and announcing this stupendous fact. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's on the horizon. It's coming soon. Repent and believe in that gospel, that gospel that is of the kingdom of God. That's the summary of Jesus' whole mission and ministry. And that, in a word, is the meaning of New Testament Christianity. To be a Christian in the Bible is to be a disciple of the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke of those who will enter the kingdom and inherit it in the future as the sons of the kingdom. He spoke of those who heeded his message as being disciples of the kingdom of God. A Christian in the Bible is a disciple of the kingdom, nothing more nor less. Kingdom discipleship is the essence of how Jesus described faithful ministry, faithful discipleship, and faithful obedience to the mission and purpose of Jesus. Let me show you those facts in chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew 13, verse 37, Jesus said, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, referring to himself, although Son of Man is actually a corporate term for all the saints, as you'll find in Daniel chapter 7. But then Jesus said, The field in which this seed is sown is the world. As for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. That's to say they become children of God by being born again, and they become heirs destined to inherit the kingdom when it comes at the second coming of Jesus in the future. Now, contrasted with the seed, which is the sons of the kingdom, we have the sons of the devil, and these are the tares. Tares, you know, look like genuine wheat, but they're counterfeit. And the enemy who sowed these tares, Jesus said, is the devil. Now, the harvest in this parable is the end of the age. Not, I note in passing, as rather badly translated by the King James, the end of the world. But the end of the age is the harvest in this story, and the reapers are the angels. And therefore, Jesus went on to say in Matthew 13, verse 40, Just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Jesus did not say, so it will be the moment you die, 
But so it will be at the end of the age, the present evil age leading up to the kingdom, which will be in the new age, the future, beyond the second coming. In verse 41, Jesus said, The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom, because at that time the world will have become the kingdom of God at the second coming. They will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. And they will cast them, the tares, into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then in verse 43, Jesus described the glorious inheritance of the sons of the kingdom. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, because this lesson was so critically important and so basic to everything that Jesus taught as the gospel, he repeated the same material in verse 47 of Matthew 13. But our time is running short for today. We don't have time to cover that material in detail. We'll hope to resume it in a subsequent program. I would invite you to request from us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program an article entitled, What is the Christian Gospel? In that article, we outline all of the different titles of the gospel and show that they all go back to the teaching of Jesus himself, namely the gospel about the kingdom of God. Request also a tape of the program you've been listening to and join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.